You're listening to Producing with Purpose, an ethical business podcast with me, Tony Corrales. We'll be speaking to some of the greatest CEOs, creatives, founders, and entrepreneurs who have established and managed companies that put ethical practices at the forefront of their mission, all whilst navigating the challenges of the business world. Hey, and welcome to episode 22 of Producing with Purpose. And before we get stuck into today's quick intro before an amazing episode, I just want to say as a quick side note that it's been really motivating coming back to this with a bit of a new energy, a bit of a rebrand as well, if you've seen that over on the Instagram and even with the cover art and things like that, and a new structure to the show where we're really focusing on the expertise of the guests and giving some you know actionable insights as well. Um, so all of that coming together, we've got a new website coming out this week. So it's it's feeling good. It's great to be back and back into the momentum here. Um, we've got an episode with a guest coming out every week. We've got a micro episode, which is just me speaking for a while and giving some tips and advice from things I've learned over my time. And then we're also going to be releasing a snippet every week from a previous episode, showcasing just a really, you know, a great gem of information that's come from a previous chat. So there's a lot coming out. Appreciate everyone listening. As always, please feel free to go and give us a review. It's the way that this podcast grows and helps the algorithms get this shown up more often. So really appreciate your support there as well. And today it's a pleasure to have on the show Eric Murbach, founder of the vegan media outlet Antagonist and CEO of the purpose-driven design agency Very Good Looking. In this episode, Eric and I focus on the key to creating killer content and how it's important to not just focus on your own subjective view of how you present your brand, but also lean on people with this expertise so you can make your brand as appealing as possible and also to help tell that story that you want your brand to tell, but doing it with a creative flair as well. You know, we really need to make ourselves stand out. And also if you're in an ethical business or you founded an ethical business or a business with purpose, it's bringing your content, it's bringing your brand and elevating it so that you sit well alongside everything else that you're competing against. So Eric comes from a really interesting background time at Red Bull Media House, various adventures into print media from Skate Magazines and the beautifully presented Vegan Good Life magazine that he was running. Eric has got great experience in both creating beautiful and engaging editorial content, but he also comes to the table today with some of the tips on how to get your brand noticed by these publications and media outlets as well. So in the back half of this episode, we talk about how you can be a real help to journalists or these media outlets, increasing your chances of getting featured. So I recommend listening all the way through so you can hear Eric's backstory, but also valuable takeaway advice on how to enhance your content and make it more engaging, and then how to get your brand picked up in different publications as well. We also delve into the goals for Antagonist and Very Good Looking, which I've got to be honest, are just personally as well extremely inspiring. And when looking at the antagonist site and the work that's being produced, reading Eric's personal blogs and looking at the work from Very Good Looking as well, it's really hard to not just be inspired to go out there and create change, but doing it through beautiful words and images. So it's an amazing chat today, as as I always say, but it's been a real pleasure to speak to Eric. Uh, just a quick note that the audio is a little bit weird for the first 30 seconds where I forgot to press record on the main audio source, but... Just bear with it for the first 30 seconds and then it kicks in back to the normal quality as well. Introducing Eric of Antagonist and Very Good Looking. Okay, so today on Producing with Purpose, I'm joined here by Eric Mirbach. 
Um, I'm aware I'm butchering his name a little bit, but we've made our peace with that, so that's fine. Um, so, Eric, thanks for joining me, mate. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. The first thing I want to do is, as you know, we were just having a bit of a chat, and I talked about the thing we're going to really focus on today is the key to killer content. That's the name of this episode. And that's really what I want to speak about today. But first of all, just give us a little bit of the backstory. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what you do, the companies that you run or the companies you work with. And yeah, the, the kind of top level history of Eric. So I majored photography originally. That's what I went to university for. And uh, when I did that, I pretty fast, I was onboarded for a skateboarding magazine back in the day. That's where my roots are. So I've been a skateboard photographer for, I don't know, 10 years of my life. Did that and it was a print magazine. And we published like one issue a month. So it was like a monthly thing of like 140 pages. I have no idea how we did that. I did that for five years, finished university. And after that, so I had the covers that I wanted. I worked with the people that I wanted. I did all the travels that I wanted. And then I thought it might be nice to like maybe earn some money as well. <laughs> yeah, and not, <laughs> not do that all the time, which, which was kind of like in the job description. And then after that, I worked for Red Bull. So I worked for the Red Bull Media House and created one of the verticals for the .com for Red Bull. It helped build the team, was like the right-hand man of the channel manager there and learned the in and outs of what I learned in, in print, so to say. Before that, like with like this monthly publication, I went and learned how to do basically the same thing, but in the digital world, because like that was, that was all website, right? Mm -hmm. All digital content. Um, yeah, I did that. And right around that time I uh, became vegan. I have been vegetarian for, since I was 18 or something. And, um, right around that time I became vegan and more and more, I was questioning the work that I was doing and what I was doing with my, with my time or with my life. I felt that well, I mean, it was it was great working there, right? Like the, yeah. the money was definitely better than, than <laughs> with with the skate magazine. It wasn't it wasn't as crazy as people think. When I, when I say Red Bull, everybody everybody thinks you're like crazy overpaid. That wasn't the case, but it was better than working for a print skateboarding magazine. Fair enough. Yep. Yeah, and the team was great, and the job was great. But at the end of the day, I was investing like six to eight to ten hours of my day into creating content that. Like basically that was, okay, pick five interesting skateboarders, put them on a plane and fly them to a crazy location that nobody's ever heard of, have them film a clip. And then two days later, it's forgotten. Hmm. And I wasn't really, I wasn't really sure if that was the best use of my time. So um, I decided, I decided to quit and concentrate on veganism because for me that at the time, and I, I still think the same thing now that I've learned more about it. It seemed to me that that was like the, best leverage that i could have like that's the number one thing that addresses all of the major problems that i was worried about and i could actually do something about it so i was thinking okay i want to i want to venture down that route and the question was is it smart to learn a new trade and become like an act like a classic activist or wouldn't it be maybe better to use what i've learned through hmm. these years of, of of learning media and learning publication learning content and, and using that for this new topic that I had and for, for this thing that I wanted to push forward. And yeah, I already invested the hours. I, I knew what I was doing. I had like a unique skill set from that background. So I thought, okay, I, I should probably do something around content and publication with that. So uh, founded a blog first, then founded a print magazine because that was my background. 
And uh, that was called Vegan Good Life back in the day. It was originally planned to just be a print magazine for the German-speaking market. It became international pretty fast because we so like it's it's a small target group, but it's an international target group. So at that group pretty pretty fast into an international market. We've done this for six years and just recently we renamed and called it Antagonist to um, to open it up more, basically, to not to not have a have a stamp on it. And that that made sense for the German print market, but didn't really make sense for for the more international uh, market and what we want to do with the brand as we want to open it up. So that's the one hat that I'm wearing. The one hat is antagonist and I wear another hat that is CEO and the content lead for our branding content and venture studio. Very good looking here in Berlin. Mm-hmm. It's creative, basically creative agency. And we work with all brands from the ethical sphere. So everybody we work with, is basically so the tagline is we make very good things very good looking so if you have something that's a very good thing let us help you bring the story across and help you make it look good yeah for sure and we'll talk about this in a little bit because it's a big part of what i want to talk about today but uh, there's a real need to make very good things very good looking and there's a real lack and that's definitely something we'll we'll cover off so you know, I want to talk about um, Very Good Looking and Antagonist today in quite a lot of detail, but going back into the days of Vegan Good Life for a little bit, what was the process like for having a print publication? And you've moved away and now you've got a pure play method in Antagonist there. As you say, it's online only. Do you think that the era of being able to have a successful print publication, if you're just starting it now, do you think that we're past that? Or is it just something you don't want to do anymore? I, I wouldn't. And so Antagonist isn't purely digital it's digital first though it's not like i still want to do a print magazine with that name on it it's just that it's just that we opened it up more like concentrating on print was i think smart at the time when the scene was wasn't as open and 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 there wasn't that much chances to open it up more than than now i think that we started really early with what we did because like we did very little food at the beginning. We, we concentrated on fashion, travel, lifestyle, art and design. Like we talked to people we wanted to talk to that were from the creative space. And the understanding was like when we brought out the magazine, when the first issue dropped and was on newsstands in, in Europe, it was normally you could find it in the food section because people didn't get it. Like it said vegan, so it had to be about food only, right? Um, the lifestyle aspect of it was what was interesting to us because I think that we felt that the food sector was pretty much covered. I, I think differently about that today, but that was the goal then. And concentrating on a high-end print publication made sense because it opened doors for us because like nobody did that. Like Everybody can do a blog. Nobody really can do a print magazine just like that. It's a totally different process and you have to have like a totally different knowledge about the matter. So I'm really happy that we did that. And I don't think that Antagonist, no, I'm sure that Antagonist is not going to be digital only. It's digital first and it's channel agnostic, right? So the, the idea now is what's the best content to produce? What is the content that people want and that we think needs to be out in the world? And then think about, okay, how do we use that and push it into several channels that we have? What's the best channel for this and how can we change it to go over well in different channels. I think that's that's more of the approach now. Okay, that makes sense. And that's it. And I think that's an important thing to know. And it's something that you'll have gained knowledge of over time is, you know, 
taking the content or the piece of content that it is and selecting the appropriate channel for that what is the best way to communicate this and sometimes yeah sometimes that might be a podcast sometimes that might be print sometimes that's video so it's great to have that kind of omni-channel attitude to things as well cool so a little bit on i've seen that you've called yourself as well a uh, bit of a serial entrepreneur which i can see you know it's been a few ventures in your time since red bull and something you said as well that actually really resonated with me um, was a comment you write, you put around making money, and this was on your blog, which we'll link to in the show notes as well. But you said that we need the people who are doing good things to start being rewarded, you know, and financially being rewarded. Although, you know, doing the right thing comes from a place inside of us, you don't have to suffer to do it. We reward people for doing those good things. Do you think that that is shifting a bit, that there is a bit more opportunity now for financial reward for doing the good thing? Well, I think so. But I still think we have to like, battle that stereotype or maybe that expectation that people have. I feel it's the same thing. You know how it is when you, when you're invited to a barbecue with, with your, with your omnivore friends and you, you bring vegan, you bring vegan food, you're in the defense immediately. And it's the doing things differently that triggers people. And they kind of want to find the, the weak spot, right? They want to find where you're not perfect. You're not better than them. You're not doing something because that's their fear. For me, it was important to make this my job because if I don't have to worry about where my next paycheck comes from, because it comes from the good work that I do, then I'm free to invest my eight hours a day or whatever you want to do. Uh, and however effective you work, but I can invest this time into something that actually has a good outcome instead of first earning money with something that sucks to then be too done with everything to do something good on the weekends and in my evenings. I mean, we live inside of, inside of capitalism. So it's just a matter of fact that we need to make a living. How is it not logical to try and make that living with something that actually has a positive impact? So maybe we should find ways to do this inside of the inside of the system, like to, to make change, to make actual change inside of the system, because we'll need it earlier than we'll be able to dismantle it. So, and inside that system, I like to earn money. I like to I like to be able to buy things, mainly because the main things that I buy are things that make my job easier for me and make make my make my life easier to then be even more effective. So, I think it's a great tool to have. I think it's 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 energy bound in. In, in currency. And I want more of that because the people and the interests we're, we're working against with everything we do, with what you do and with what I do, these guys likely have less of a problem with accepting money and using these tools for their agenda. So I'm planning on doing the same. Absolutely. And I think this is where I come from. It's really important for us to be open to growing and scaling and having not an element of the personal greed as much, but the the aspiration for businesses and ourselves to grow. Because when the money comes into the hands of you know people who are doing it from a place of doing good as well, then we're going to do better things with that as well. We need to drive this to be bigger. And we need people in our scene to aspire to be bigger so that we can actually make an impact. I think you're touching on a point that is highly underrated in that whole ethical sphere. And that is the idea of actual scale. Because the consumer has created enough pressure now on the market that Nestle is doing like lab-grown meat experiments. 
So that tells you where we are with this. I agree with you. Like, I think we need scale and we will need the big evil corpse for that as well. But I also think that it's smart to have, like to shift some of that wealth and some of the money that can actually trigger that changes and can be invested into better ideas. This should be in the hands of people who will actually do that. I think so, for sure. There's a whole other conversation we can get into there. But um, as I said, you know, the theme I really want to cover today is the key to killer content. And you've got a lot of experience in making content in many mediums. And I know that one of your main drivers is exactly the same driver I had when starting No Skin. And we've touched on this already. And a quote from you there is that it's a market that has the potential to do good on so many levels, but also a market with a glaring problem. It struggles to look good. You know, that's what I've seen there. And there are, as we've discussed already, some brands out there who are doing it well and who are addressing this problem. There are some publications like Vegan Good Life that are addressing this problem. But I still feel like that's the minority. I still feel like for the industry in a whole, even though it's rapidly growing, it still struggles to look good. I suppose, what are some of the key things from a design perspective, maybe from your agency perspective, that you think people need to start focusing on to stop looking like ethical brands or sustainable brands? Yeah, that's a good question, right? I think there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer to that. I think it always depends on who you're trying to talk to, who your target group is. And I think there's, there's a place and there's room for all of this. I think there is a core old-school vegan scene that is used and expects a certain aesthetic. And I think there's room for that. And I, I respect that. And even though I'm not a big fan of it, I see the worth in it. And um, I think that the main problem that we have with veganism is that it's still understood as someone's taking something away from you. That's why everybody's scared of, of talking about the topic. It, you feel like you, you have to miss out on something. And we need to change that narrative. A, because it's, it's a harmful narrative. And B, I honestly, from the bottom of my heart, think it's not true. Yes, you have to go through a period. Like if you're like me, you, you ate meat for, I don't know, nearly two decades or longer. You have to go through that period, but you will, like for me personally, it opened up so much. Like I have this whole new world of ingredients I would have never touched I would have never thought of like all these new tastes and flavors, all these new things to, to experience. So I honestly don't think it's, it's a narrative that is true. Every vegan business needs to work against that prejudice and they need to do it in their marketing and in the way they look and their branding and their packaging, because what you want to, what you want to communicate to people is, Hey, this is exciting and new, and it's a new way of life. That's better for you for these reasons. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely bang on point. It's weird because it's kind of how I've looked at things, but I haven't necessarily put it into that process. But as you say, it's about making people realize that they're not giving up anything. And actually, in many of the cases now, they're, they're adding something, you know, and be that through the food or through fashion or through lifestyle or things like that. It's funny because, you know, for, for our brand, our, our tagline of that is all quality, no sacrifice which always sort of made sense to me. But that's actually exactly what that's saying. It's you've still got all of the things you want, but you don't have to give something up to have this. And, you know, I know, you know, um, Joshua Katcher from Brave Gentleman very well as well. And, you know, speaking with him, it's when we're having the discussion as well, when we talk about 
vegan leather or calling it future leather. It's not faux leather. It's not fake leather. It's not it's not something shittier than the original version. We're at a point now where we can supplement things and we can actually improve upon them. And we need to come away from that mentality that making the right choice is making a sacrifice. It's not even like not not to take away from a tagline because I think it's great and it communicates exactly what it needs to communicate. But it's the next step of that evolution is it's not even not a sacrifice. It's even more than that. Like this is the better version of what you're used to. It's not even a par, it's better. And here's why. And that even goes for vegan leather. leathers. Like if, when you talk to Joshua, uh, like he will tell you right away that it is a, a superior material. If you go for the high quality stuff, it's superior material to leather. It's just that there are years and years, decades of marketing and millions of marketing dollars behind that, that have established that 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 feeling of oh it's leather so it's high quality and it's it's natural and it's whatever whatever we have to do the same marketing work because at the end of the day it's skin that normally would rot that has been made uh, that has been made that has has been given some longevity by like weird chemical processes and it's it's not timely it's not tech it's not future it's none of that it's it's like a really outdated way of producing but we fight we fight against like a lot a lot of really good marketing that has like that's like this mountain of marketing we have to overcome with telling a different story and explaining that in in ways that make it as obvious as it is to me to to the overall consumer out there so on that then and talking about you know we have to market it and we have to we have to make that clear the you know the enhancements the the greatness of whatever product it is you know whether you're running a an ethical investment firm or you're running a fashion brand there's so many different arms to it is there anything you found from the creative agency i suppose or even with antagonist that is starting to work in our favor that there are some tactics we can use in the marketing now and i suppose one of the questions there is you know the word vegan itself and you know we're focusing very heavily around the vegan space the word vegan itself i find has has had a bit of a roller coaster of how effective or how much we should use that word. You know, food had its moment and then they went with plant-based. I suppose in your view of marketing now is where where's the position of the word vegan? Is that something that you put out there first and foremost or you hold back on a little bit? What do you think the view is on that right now? Yeah, that's I've been going back and forth and I think you're spot on with with that description of it's if it's, it's going through like this roller coaster of of how it's perceived. That's why it's tricky and that's why I'm thinking about that constantly. And I'm still not I'm still not sure where I am. And I think it changes all the time. I like the word. <laughs> I think it's a very precise description of where your where your mindset is as an ethical human. I think it's needed and it's it's a good word. I think we're fighting against a lot of prejudices and like it's it's a very loaded word. And I think you can use it, you can use it in two ways. You can use it as that loaded word, but then put something next to it that is very contradictory to what people think it means. That's what we tried with Vegan Good Life. When when Antagonist was still called Vegan Good Life, that's what we tried to do. Like we put the word vegan on it, which was, as I said, really smart at the time because it was when you're going to newsstands with a print magazine, what you need is 
a descriptive title. So if, if you're not like a, like a big heritage brand that everybody knows, you need a descriptive title so that people know what they're buying. If they, if they don't know what they're buying, it's really, really hard to succeed. I always felt like it's a good name for what we tried to do and where we were. But it wasn't, for me, it wasn't like a strong standalone brand name ever. It was very descriptive. Also good for SEO, but <laughs> I mean, if you have, if you have the name word in the URL, that helps. But I always was torn. And now we renamed Vegan Good Life Antagonist for exactly that reason. I think it's, I think it has, it's a good tool to change the perception of what veganism is, but it also still holds the risk of people not wanting to touch it because of their perception, even though you try to break through the stereotype. I think part of it is, it's a real tough one. And like you say, it is very good because it is very, it's very accurate. You say that word, it's a very easy word that is very clear cut what it means. And there's actually, in our space, there's not a lot of words that carry the same impact. For example, we say the word ethical a lot or ethics but that's very subjective in what actually, you know, my ethics and your ethics can be very different. That doesn't define what that is. Even sustainable is sustainable can be viewed as, you know, if, if an item is sustainable, that can be in many different ways and that can talk to many different things. But if something is vegan, that's, that's actually got quite a clear, I don't want to say set of rules because that makes it seem, you know, that's not what we're trying to necessarily con- convey, but you know what that means. But I think the problem with that then is that, if you are not vegan, you feel like you're nece- it's something is not for you. And it's, it's then less accessible if you're on your journey, but you're not there yet. You feel like that's not quite ready for you yet. You haven't qualified for it. It's true. It feels like an exclusive club. And the main problem that we have is that it's also a club that nobody wants to belong to because it's not looking cool. And that's a problem. The tagline for antagonists, what I want to do with antagonists basically is uh, make veganism the cool kids table like that's what i want to do because i think like with my background in streetwear with my background in skateboarding like the one thing that i learned is how coolness can be created like how this if you look at at brands like i mean the main example would be supreme i guess Uh, it's like this this huge streetwear brand with like louis vuitton collabs and everything but basically, it's a shitty little skate shop from, from Manhattan from back in the day. Like, it's, it's a 90s skate shop, right? So I am deeply rooted in that scene that has always had a big impact on how coolness is created and perceived. And I've learned that in my days with Skateboard Magazine. Like, if, you, if you're part of that editorial staff and you walk, like, into the office and you have the wrong shoes on, man, <laughs> it's not going down well. So. Yeah. You know, I, I know the I know the pressure, I know all of all of that shit. And I think there's ways to turn that around. I think you can like just imagine like this is a, like this classic high school thing, like right? Like you have the cool kids table, like but just imagine it's the cool kids table, but it's an ethically motivated cool kids table. Like like ethical inclinations is what make makes it cool. That means so it's the cool kids table, you wanna be like us, but you can also sit with us. And yes, there's kind of a rule book and yes, there's kind of a uniform that comes with it. And that's kind of like, but it's not the same thing. Like it's the rule is do better and like be more kind. And if we can create the, the same kind of hype mentality around that, 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 that just works because again, we're inside of capitalism. Like that's how it's going to be for the, for, for the time that I can foresee. We have to hijack these 
these methods and these mechanisms and use them in our favor. Yeah. And I, I do think as well, though, and you see it in, you know, in the kids today. And I, I think that's like in two podcasts now, I've talked about the kids and it makes me feel really fucking old. But um, I think the kindness mentality and the inclusivity actually does seem to be coming more and more in younger generations as well. So I feel like now is the time, you know, and as they grow, you know, into into that space as well. And we're the ones here who are running brands or running agencies and doing things like that. It's now is the time for us to be setting the platforms for other people to come up into that as well. So it's it's a really important thing to be doing. And I think it is the right time to be doing it. We're actually at a point where we can start shifting that mentality and, you know, putting it at the cool kids table for sure. Uh, thank you. Thank you for saying that because that's a perfect segue for me to pitch <laughs> uh, because I, I agree with you. I love this new generation. I love the noise they're making. I love how they're utilizing uh, social media to to have a voice. And I love how pissed they are. I'm just, I love, I love all of that. I love, I love the the whole social media warrior persona because look, I'm, I'm, I guess I have to say I'm a middle-aged white dude now. It, it, it's come to that. So I'm, look, I'm 36 years old. I'm, I'm going into 37. I know that, I have a couple of years of being able to build something and maybe be a voice in that, but I'm not going to be the leading voice of what I'm building. I'd love to, and I want to talk to young people from that space who can come in and tell me everything I'm doing wrong. I'd love for that to happen. So if anybody's listening and and, and feels like they're a good writer and they have something to say or, or like video producers or whatever, uh, a potential editor-in-chief who's 10 to 20 years younger than I and understands all the stuff that I start to not being able to understand anymore and uh, wants to come in and tell me every everything where I where I fuck up or where I don't have the right angle, like, please talk to me because I think I just love what's happening. I just love how in, in every area of my life, there's like a young, angry, very clear generation coming in and cleaning shit up that my generation didn't do. When I was... 10 or 11 i actually i actually made made like a, a little copy zine with like uh, my cousin and a couple of friends that was called green future and we were like going from door to door and selling it and we were we were worried about climate change back then and we were worried about like like all of that stuff and that is with me for quite some time and i've always felt alone with that like i had these kids back then and then i turned vegetarian when i was 18 and all of my friends were like yeah we give you two weeks man you know blah, 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 all that shit i was utterly alone with all of that like i always had this view of like we like we gotta change shit like we already know that it's going downhill what are we doing about it and i i felt alone for decades with that but i i had to struggle to find my people and to find my find my own group and i just love to see this because i wish i was young now i I'm, I'm jealous of what they have well i think it's a technology is a massive facilitator of that because like you say you were out there at that age handing out you know zines about green and climate change now if that was you in this modern age your reach is not the people on your street of the doors you can knock on your reach is global like and it's it's an incredible powerful tool that those kids out there now can actually go and do that but the only problem is that it's in the hands again in the hands of a couple of even more middle-aged and even more white dudes than i am 
So that's that's another problem. Like as long as 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 everything belongs to Mark Zuckerberg, like we have a problem. <laughs> so that's why I'm a bit I'm a bit worried for the people who have that have these voices. Like that can be taken away in a second. So please build your own audiences and build have a backup plan because it, it the reach doesn't belong to you, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting point as well because just last night I was doing another episode with Robbie, who's the co-founder and director of Plant Based News, and he was saying that that's that's a big thing for him. Is one of his biggest bits of advice is to you know if you are especially if you're doing it in business, you're not just doing it from you know a fun thing. Is diversification of your of your revenue streams or of your content streams because he's very aware that they've got a huge Instagram presence and that could just be turned off tomorrow. And then that that's big enough. That puts people out of jobs, you know, in, in a company like his. So you've got to be able to build your audience and, and as much as possible own, own your audience as well. So speaking a little bit then and something I've, you know, for anyone who's been listening to a few episodes, it's something I've been digging around in a little bit and it's it's how we met in the first place, so to speak, is I always try and tie these episodes back to something that I'm working on at the moment and try and get some information and, you know, get some advice. And one thing that we're going through at the moment is as we're scaling a new brand, we've got expertise in lots of areas from things like photography and product design and, you know, business management. But actually, you know, press and publications and things like that is where we've lacked. And that's a world that we're trying to get a better understanding of. So I suppose what what advice can you give to brands who are coming up and are trying to get featured on things like Antagonist, are trying to actually build their content, are trying to build their organic content, their paid content, but also like, you know, their press releases? As someone who's worked in that, what what's your advice? Yeah, so first of all, this has changed dramatically with, at least for media brands like Antagonist. When, when you want to work with 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 media outlets like Antagonist, there's a new set of rules that hasn't been in place before. It's not the same rules as as if you would like to like get into get into one of the more uh, established and classic publications. And I think it it de- it highly depends on who you are as a brand. Like the answer for you is very different to a brand that doesn't have that DNA of being an ethical brand. In your case the word ethical actually means full-on vegan as well, which it doesn't always. But I think the answer for a brand like you from the perspective of, a, of, a, of an outlet like Antagonist is very different to, to other brands. When I, when I answer this for a brand like No Skin, I think we belong together and we need each other. Like I think with the mindset that we have, that we share, we can together build an infrastructure that is very much needed. Brands like no skin brands need the outside need like need like you you do your own content and that's great and that's that can be very credible and that that can work but it's it will always have it will always have that note of like yeah they're trying to sell me something right and it's also like you're making it of course you think it's great Hmm. to establish voices in the market that are discerning which i think antagonist is on the forefront of that is I think essential for for brand building because it's not you saying you're great. It's also voices out there that 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 say that you're great. And of course, it's a it's a fine line because if it's advertorial content or if you're an advertiser with with that outlet, of course, 
it's not it's not independent journalism at this point right so you you always you will always have that like what we're trying to do is we're trying to establish a platform that is that earns the trust of the readers so that they know if we really talk positive about something if it's editorial content not advertorial content which is clearly marked if if it is if it is advertorial content that we're we're actually telling you the truth like we're actually thinking that it's good stuff and that it's right you have to establish that as 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 a media house to be credible in that and that that your audience knows that but once that is in place i think that it's it's valuable for a brand like no skin to have a working relationship with these outlets because it is a third party that talks to you and if we feel like we have a good partnership with with brands like yours that just helps us be even more open to implement your stuff through working together like that really enhances the credibility and the standing of the brand and um I just think that growing together and like building this infrastructure of like-minded brands and outlets is just going to establish like we can create our own corner in the market together. And you will need your sportswear internationals and you will need your Vogue's and you will need all of these established heritage brands also for your ethical business to have that outside it's it's even outside of a bubble like it's it's outside like it, that's that's outside credibility that is given to you from like yes you're actually fashionable you're actually playing a role in like the fashion market uh, but outlets like antagonists can be like the gatekeepers of like these are good people who are doing good things and i think that's our role to be i think with antagonists we are going to be i think we already are and 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 now have to grow now have to grow the audience but with antagonists we i think we can establish the role of gatekeeper of like what's hot in the ethical sphere like what's what's popping and what's the stuff that you want to look at and who are the brands that you want to follow in that realm like we will make sure that whatever you see on your on our website you can dress up in that and you can you can go there and eat there and it's going to be high quality stuff so um i think that's our role and i think that's that's where a partnership makes sense so you know coming into this part of things where it's about building these partnerships and you know whether it's you're just trying to get you're trying to get featured in somebody's blog or you're trying to get featured in something more comprehensive like a media outlet like antagonist as well it's hard for the person on like the brand side of that to always understand the difference and to understand and i come from a time as well when you know i'm playing 10 years ago touring around playing punk music and you release a new album and you put out a press release and you're sending a press release out to, you know, out to music magazines and trying to get a review. And the world now, because especially at a time where, you know, physical magazines and things as well relied a lot more on very direct paid advertising and also from sales. It's a very different world now where there's a lot more paid editorial things as well. And it's understanding, you know, who's who's operating in that model, who's operating a blog because they just like to write and get some Google display network revenue you know who's a who's a sort of purchaser funded publication as well so it's actually really hard when you're on the brand side to know and i think to then you know you've got you've got your facebook ads budget or you've got your digital marketing budget 
and then start incorporating budgets as well for your for your media outlet budgets as well so it's yeah it's important information to and i think it's good to share and have the transparent discussions as well about what it looks like to start building those partnerships look i've i've been on both sides of this so i've i've been on the media side and i've also been on the brand side so i have an understanding of okay i i have like what what am i what am i offering and what am i getting and i i understand that from from a, from a media outlet side there's stuff I have to offer. And for us, we're still, like if you compare us to plant-based news, for example, we're comparatively, like we're small, like we have a smaller audience. It's it's a highly curated audience though. So it is an upside. It's a very specialized audience, so to say. Like if if a brand comes to me and, and wants to collab or wants to buy an ad and I know sending them from our from our Instagram, for example, or from our website, to their Instagram or their website, we can maybe generate the leads, but we we won't be able to we won't be able to generate them any sales out of that because the, the, there's no brand match. So it, it really depends. It's it, it really helps if you have somebody on the other side who understands a little bit about that as well and who has a realistic idea of what their brand is because it's like we we it's not magic, right? It has to make sense. It has to work, it, and and. On the, on the media side, to have an understanding of what a brand needs and to be able to assess a brand and also get, come back to labels and say, "Hey, I take your money. Don't get me don't get me wrong. Like I take the advertising budget, but I was supposed to do it this way, or maybe we're not the right outlet for you because this and this and that. And if you're looking for mass market reach." And if you have like, for example, it's just an example, but if you have like a lower price point and like, a, and that normally comes with like a lower quality point, if, if that's your market, then maybe we're not the right outlet for you. Because if you have the right branding and you have the right story to tell and you have the right product, we have, we don't have a million people, but we have a very highly curated amount of people who will be willing to spend that money to actually buy from you if you are in the in the in the upper in the upper part of, of the market like on that end of the spectrum and more towards the luxury or like more on a, on a higher price range for example like i think we have the right people for that it it always depends it, and, and i think you you just have to be really aware of what you offer as a media house and what what the brand wants and sometimes the brand doesn't know and you maybe need to help them a little bit and see like, like to really see what is actually want from that because everybody has in the back of that. Yeah. We need PR and we need to like be in, in media because that's what you do, but maybe think about why and how, and who are you talking to and what, what do you, what are your goals? Right. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really important as well. And it, it definitely makes sense. And to sort of summarize parts of what I take of that is that, you know, exactly as you say, if, if you've got the right brand or if someone's got the right brand, you've got the right outlet. But if there's a if there's not a good crossover there, then yes, good good for you. You you get work and you have the thing. But still at the same time, you need to be mindful about what you take on because your audience expects a certain you've got a curated audience and your audience expects a curated selection of things that you feature. And there's also, you know, a lot of work goes in on both sides to getting featured and to getting editorials and everything that goes with it. And it doesn't matter the size of the publication or the the media outlet. It's it's a waste of time if you're not getting in front of the right people. I, I always seem to take things back to music analogies because it's, you know, such a world that I came from. But 
there's it doesn't matter how big the show is that you're playing if you're a punk band playing to a crowd of a you know of jazz enthusiasts like it doesn't matter how big the crowd is you you're better off playing to 200 people who absolutely fucking love punk music so it works in the same way and if if i understood correctly you're you're asking from a brand perspective like what can brands maybe do to like like to 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 get more of the right press coverage and i mean it's pretty it's pretty easy actually try and try and make the editor's life really easy is a good way to do that for example just imagine i'm putting together like like a like a product feature for instagram or we do like like a listicle for for the website and i've heard of that brand and i have good relations with that brand because the the emails they send Uh, are as annoying as everybody else's emails, but they're funny and they're friendly and they're like, you know, like there's something different about it. And, and the brand is good and it, and it actually makes sense with the publication because like I get PR messages for like stuff where I'm like, did you look at the website? Like, how do you think that fits into what we do? Like that doesn't make sense. Right. So don't be annoying and don't waste people's times a uh, time. And then, If you can establish a bit of a relationship, just be friendly, communicative and be the right brand and make it easy for people. Like if I have a hole in my list and I'm thinking about a denim brand and I've heard of you guys and we're in talks of maybe doing something together and you're saying like, hey, we don't have like this huge advertising budget. We want to do something. We want to give like, we want, we want to have like a good working relationship and we want to do it like, uh, so that everybody has something of it. We're not just asking for stuff. We're also offering things. If we're on that positive note and I have a hole in my, in my content, I will go to your website. And if you're making images available to me really easily that I can just pull and use, I will do that because then I can close my tasks for the day and be done. And you have your backlink because, right? And you didn't pay a dime for it because like that just really makes it easy for me. Like make it easy for me to, yeah. find, to find images, make it easy for me to find really good text excerpts, like have a good press, have a good press page on your site, make it really easy for me and, and be nice. That helps a lot. Like be a nice person, be kind, that opens doors. But then also just be mindful of your counterparts' realities. In my case, we're building a media house that's very special interest that we've started five years before it was actually, it was actually even a topic that people understood. So chances are it's been an uphill battle. And chances are I might want to catch a break And would be very thankful. It <laughs> <laughs> would be very thankful if people would maybe appreciate yeah. what we're trying to do and would see the benefit that it could have for them and their brand now and in the future, especially because it's bound to grow. Like we have seen an uptick in we have seen an uptick in the consumption of ethical content over the pandemic. People are more aware. People know that their lives will change. Like in Germany, we just had these floods, and even my even my relatives uh, have because they live like ten kilometers from there. Even they understood now. I hope that that's that climate change that annoying nephew is always talking about when when he's visiting. So give that respect, like like give that respect, and be mindful of 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 what what your counterpart maybe maybe needs, and just address that. Like do something that helps both of you. And in my case, it just will open doors. And as I told you before, we, we, we had this talk, 
I'm looking to establish long-term relationships, long-term relationships with the right people. And if our, if our communication is good and if we're, if we're friendly and if I know that you know what my needs are and I'm not only talking about how you can get yours met, like that's, that's a good start. Yeah, I think that's really, that's really helpful. And yeah, I think there is an element of, as we've embarked on this and you start to see, you get a better understanding. And what's been really good for this as well, and look, this conversation and also prior to that, since we first started speaking, is me getting a better understanding of how your part of the industry works as well. Um, and that's what's, that's what's important. And again, if we're coming at it from, and you know, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're, everyone's coming at it from a more ethical business perspective then that's it where it's all about collaboration it's exactly the reason that you know we sell shoes but i have joshua catcher on the podcast and then have him on the website it's like this is this is about coming together and everyone collaborating and the more that everything is reciprocal and everybody's benefiting out of you know out of a deal basically then that's how we're going to build good relationships too so it totally makes sense that's great I mean, you're touching on one point where it's like, if you're not thinking along these lines, then you're scared. And I get it and it's fine, but I don't feel threatened by anybody. Like, I think all the work that my colleagues in the, in the vegan content sphere are doing, like, it's all needed and it's, most of it is great. It's just not what I would do. I'm the person that I am with the background that I have. I, I have a team that has been attracted by what I've been putting out. And so it's grown organically into this very decisive standalone voice. And that's like, nobody can just recreate that. You will just build what you build and then see where the market for that is. And there's a market for plant-based news, which I think is a fantastic platform. But I think there's also much needed room next to it in a more elevated like the, the content is more elevated like more in depth the 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 photo quality and like like i'm i'm, I'm an actual quality snob right so if if people write to me it's like hey i want to write for you it's like yeah have you thought about photography though and have you thought about like illustration and what are the images to like a lot of people can write something but can you actually write something that's on brand and think about the whole piece because that's what's needed to make it into this publication. And I know that I'm shutting doors by this, but I'm also creating a very cohesive brand and something that people will know us for. And people will know what they come to us for and what they can't expect from us. That's where other platforms are for. So I'm not afraid of sharing that space. I think we're creating a like our own niche, like our own, like we're creating our own market space and our own universe and there's room for all of these voices and all of these different brands as well. So I I don't get it when people are super like when people are super protective. Well, I I do get it because it's new. They're daring something big. They're scared. That's fine. Let's try and together like get over that phase and like collaborate and do good stuff. For sure, there's a scarcity mindset, and it comes as well. Especially we always talk. Um about being in a niche market and things like that but realistically it's it's not so much a niche I mean, it is still a niche compared to the mass market but it's still a huge market now and it's ever growing every year it's just getting bigger and bigger and i would much rather instead of instead of you know from a clothing brand perspective instead of us and say brave gentlemen for example each fighting over 
our portion of a 1% market or a 10,000 person market. I'd rather we come together, make great stuff, and then share a market that's 10 times the size. And that's what you guys are facilitating as well. And by being more protective about what you take on and what you share and what you do and making it cooler, making the quality better, is you're allowing that market to grow so that everybody gets to have a share of the bigger market rather than fighting over the small market that we used to. Yeah, you're spot on. And like my my vision for antagonist, that that's another that's another one that I, I like to tell myself over and over again because that's the goal. What I think antagonist can be is like think Red Bull Media House structure meets high snobiety cool, but ethical. Right. Like that's what I want to build. That's what we are building. Like we are in the middle of doing that. And we are we have the first milestones are are behind us and like we have big plans. And this is what we want to do. But you're aware of high snobiety, I guess. You you know, yeah, yeah. you know, right? So high snobiety, according to their press uh, kit, has five hundred million contacts a month, right? That's huge. But I think we can both agree that a platform like that, even high snobiety that we both know. Yeah. How many people do you know who don't know who, what that is? It's that that is still niche. That's not mass market. Like that's niche. It's just sneaker. It's sneakerheads basically, right? That's small. So I think it's easily doable to do this at least the same with antagonist. Like I think we have the brand and we have the background and we have the aesthetics and we have the quality to do exactly that and to scale to that size. It is doable if if we can do it for a sneaker block that. I, I love them. I, I, I love that. Like I, I've been, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I've, I've been consuming their content forever, but I also think we are in a critical phase where they have to, where they have to shift focus, and they are doing it. But the DNA of the brand is is not really up to the changing times that we're looking into. So I think antagonist very much has the. It's, it's not going to be a new high snobiety. It's it's going to be it's going to be a total totally standalone thing. But I think like. If you look at the size of this and if you look at the at the at the potential market i think it's at least that or or more and and then we're still talking about a niche market so i think that the potential is endless i think so and i think look that's a great segue as well to really start closing this out we now know the the big goal for antagonist and and i'm excited about it i'm like man count me in like how do i you know i want to be a part of that it sounds so good and as well, also for anyone listening, look out because there will be some no skin and antagonist collab coming because that's what me and Eric are going to talk about after. And once we sort out the uh, finer details of the cost of everything, we're definitely locking that in. But yeah, tell us what the next 12 months looks like for antagonist and for everything you're working on, you know, for very good looking as well and for anything else that you might be tackling in the next year. I hope I'm not going to be tackling much more because running two companies, I can tell you, is, has been a bit of a nightmare. It's been great, but it's also it also had its uh, had its had its downtimes and and its negative side. So I try to not totally overwork myself, and I'm not exactly sure how to pull that off, but I'm working on it. Yeah, two hats for now: antagonists and and very good looking. So first of all, what I what I what I really want to say is that I have I have this vision for antagonist and the scale and the size of of what I want it to be, and, and my main focus is going to be to achieve that. We have a great track record. I mean, we made a print magazine that was basically that was just sold in, it was just sold in in Germany, and we 
sold with the first one that we brought out we sold 15,000 copies which was like hard copies that's pretty crazy for like a first for like a first installment so we have a great track record of getting the word out and like reaching people we have just been concentrating on print so what i want to do is like really pull that over into the digital world now and scale it up and that's what my main goal is for the next 12 months we are looking into facilitating a growth spur by we have great content lined up. We have a couple of great campaigns lined up to really get the word out and attract attract like a new audience, additional to the one that that we've that we already established. Because I think the time is right. Like I'm in the middle of Kreuzberg in Berlin, and I have friends that are from the same sphere as I am. And I've always been, as I as I told you before, I, I felt I felt lonely for quite some time because my people in quotation marks have not been adopting the same perspective as I did. But I see that changing now. Like I'm talking to the mid-30s with their first kids with the cool like limited edition sneaker uh, collection, like these kinds of people, they're starting to get it. Like they all question their jobs. The people that work at Red Bull, the people that work at Nike, the people that like I've been in talks with all these people who like start to come around and are like, dude, you've been doing this forever. Like, that's crazy. And now I'm finally understanding what you've been doing all that time. So that's been, personally, that's been that's been great. <laughs> but I also think that that is exactly where Antagonist has to now go into. Like, that can be the outlet for these people as well, like for the people who are just starting out. So I want to grow that and do that through great collaborations through through campaigns that we're doing around around these around these collabs and about these uh, bigger content pieces that we have lined up and then branch out and establish more channels right now it's a website it's a social we want to establish a long format audio we want to establish video we want to do more like that and i want to bring the print magazine back like that's something that i think is needed as well we need like a high quality coffee table magazine that you can have in your on your you if you never read it fine just have it on your coffee table and like showcase to your friends who visit that this is a lifestyle that has a high-end publication right um like transform like transport that into the real world like have it be a part of people's interior planning right i let's take that spot away from kinfolk and like, let's put an antagonist magazine right there right Hundred percent, man. Even if it's just you know a couple of copies for you and I, I want to see that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, we would have to get really, really good uh, advertising deals to do just a couple of copies because <laughs> like that, and very understanding, very understanding advertising because hey, this costs this amount of money, but we'll only print five. Uh, is that good? Is that good? Is that enough reach for you? It's going to be complicated. So we definitely yeah. like have to establish. We just, but we have the distribution, right? Like we know how to do that. We have the partnerships. We have the, so that's all established. So that's not that's not a big problem. Um, it's more like building out the digital part next to it. That that is my main concern for now. If you look at the website now. I think it's very clear that we are the leading voice when it comes to quality content. And if you're looking at more of the luxury or like high end, and and also the 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 in depth and like more like more of the think pieces, like we're the destination for you to go. Like if you're a discerning consumer and if you're interested in like high quality content, we don't have the latest news. We're always late with everything when it comes to news. That's not what you come to us for. Like go to plant based news for that. And for your celebrity news, go to Live Kindly. Like 
all of these outlets have their right shout outs to all of these guys like that's all great come to the quality content and to the to the luxury segment of of ethical consumerism you come to us yeah building out that is the main thing when it comes to the agency look we founded this in the middle of the pandemic middle of last year we founded out the agency like it's not been around long and it's been a crazy ride and actually even a bit too successful for my taste because like we couldn't even like we didn't even have a website out for like the first four months because we're so slammed with work for clients which is great but which is also problematic because like you want to showcase the work that you've been doing so uh, we've been slammed so much that we had like we had a lot of homework to to do later than i wanted it to wanted it to happen We've been working with Europe's biggest uh, incubator in the plant-based food space. We've been working with the biggest, like the internationally biggest investor in, in vegan in vegan and plant-based food. These are our clients we've been working with. We've been investing and working with and doing the branding for like smaller startups here from the Berlin scene, where we are not only doing the branding or the content, but we're actually helping them establish their business because we also have like a, like a, like a venture arm in the, in the agency. So we're actually helping businesses actually enter the market and like help with, help with the whole setting it up. So, and, and the prime example is antagonist. Like that was like that new brand was developed out of very good looking, obviously. So that's just a couple of, of the clients. There's, there's like, we've been working with, a, with a variable brand who have like the technology to, to make, to make like a payment wearables, which is super exciting because the technology is just something that I think that ties into one of the questions that we had in the beginning of like, is earning money a bad thing and isn't spending money the right way, maybe a great tool. So that's why we're super interested in talking to these guys more and see like, how can we maybe make that more ethical, like implement, implement a more of an ethical mindset into the whole payment sector. So all of these things we're, we're, we're busy with. And yeah, we've been working with one of the biggest startups in alternative meat in alternative protein. And when I say startup, it's, it's like a $500 million company. So it's, it's <laughs> different world of startup. Yeah. Yeah. Not exactly. Yeah. So the food market is there. Yeah. We've been doing great work and we've been really blessed with being able to actually work with clients that, that, that are mission aligned. And that's what we want to do. Like that's what we want to empower. We have the backdrop of, I've been working for Red Bull. I've been working with universal music. I've been working with all of these big brands. And so is big parts of the team, right? And if you can take this knowledge out of these big brands and transfer that over to the ethical sphere, that's what we want to do. Like that's what we're the specialists. We have that background. And if you can transfer that into into what we do for our clients, I think that's 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 the best thing that we can do as an agency. Awesome man. There's two arms and they work perfectly together. It all makes sense together. And obviously that's you know from your background that's how it connects in. But between the two of those forces you've got there i'm excited to see what happens for the next year and i'm excited to work with you over the next year as well and you know find ways that we can collaborate because i think everything that you're going for and the stuff that you're trying to present is what my dream is and what we can produce as well it's the same thing in the market that i want to see it's that high quality verging on luxury goods you know really changing the perception so yeah i'm excited man it's gonna be a really good year ahead yeah, for sure. And uh, look, likewise, I've told you that before. I think No Skin is one of one of the brands where I'm like, 
yeah, that's that's a match. Like that's we can do great stuff together because we share that perspective. So yeah, totally looking forward to it as well. And yeah, hope hope to hope to push something out of there and publish something is rather sooner than later. I think I think we can get going. All right. Thanks very much, man. All of the links to antagonist to very good looking, everything we've talked about is all going to be on the show notes, which is all hosted on noskin.co. You go to the podcast section in the navigation. And yeah, well, let's catch up again in a year and record it and see where things are at. Perfect. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in and listening to the episode. If you've got this far right to the end, then I can only assume that you really enjoyed what you heard today and it brought you some value. If that's the case, then please head over to wherever you listen to your podcasts and drop us a review. It really helps us grow the show, get more guests on, and we really appreciate your feedback. Thanks again.